Come in, Ocean Sailor. Come in, Ocean Sailor. The Ocean Sailor Podcast. Brought to you by Ocean Sailor Magazine and Kraken Yachts. Welcome to Ocean Sailor Podcast, Episode 9, uh, with me, Dick Durham, and with he, Dick Beaumont. Hi, everyone. Uh, the pair of us today will be talking with Michelle Segrest, who has set herself up as something of an expert on mal de mer. Uh, I don't know if that's something you suffer from, Dick, is it? Yeah, well, Dick, it's a subject close to my heart, because when I was a, a young kid, uh, and really into middle age even, I used to suffer real big time with seasickness. Uh, I was big into diving in those days, <laughs> and to to try and overcome it and continue diving, I used to have to kit up on the beach, get in the boat with all my gear. My mates would take the boat out and uh, drop the anchor, and I'd roll straight over. So, you know, that's how bad I was. Um, and, you know, Michelle, what Michelle is saying is particularly, uh, or her point of view, I think, uh, which we'll find out, obviously, in more detail, is that she claims that everybody has had it. I think I've met quite a few people, actually, over the years that have never had it. Um, but, you know, uh, and, 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 and what we're going to do, of course, uh, Dick, subsequent to, to this, uh, on, Ocean, uh, on Ocean Sailor, we're going to uh, uh, do a poll uh, and we'd really like to oh, that's hear... That's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'd really like to know those that say they've had it and those that claim they never have. And I can tell you, <laughs> on the various voyages that I've done, I bet you've had it the same, Dick. If I had a tenner for every time somebody had said to me, oh, yeah, look, you know, don't worry, Dick, you know, I never get seasick, to then see their backside as they're hanging over the rail some you know, and up half an hour later or something, as soon as we get out, you know, I'd be a wealthy man. And, uh, uh, you know, but Michelle's uh, a point of view, I think, isn't that you can you can actually uh, cure it. What she says, though, and I think this is a very valuable thing for a lot of people, is there's lots you can do to mitigate it. And I'm really interested in hearing what she what she says. I've, I've used some things myself over the years of ways of really planning for it um and you know it's, it's going to be good very interesting to a lot of people i know i think it will because as you rightly say there isn't anybody i know who uh, who who has not suffered feeling ill at sea that is to say they may not have actually vomited but they felt queasy or rough i certainly have although i claim that i've never been seasick i have been sick at sea which is a bit different perhaps we'll go into that explore that a bit more later on but her book i think is called how to Battle Seasickness, 100 Tips, I believe, Dick, to uh, at least combat it. Yeah, she, yeah, she does. And uh, some of them are a bit out there. And my jury is out on some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. But uh, I won't spoil it. I, I won't spoil it by preempting what, what they are. We'll just, uh, we'll just bring Michelle on and, uh, uh, and have a good old chat about it and, uh, and see where that goes, eh, Dick? Absolutely. Let's see what she's got to say. Welcome, Michelle Sigrest. Have I pronounced that properly? Yeah, Sigrest. You got Sigrest. it. Good. <laughs> Welcome to Ocean Sailor Podcast. Uh, you've got a, a subject which is not exactly dear to people's hearts, sailors' hearts, <laughs> but uh, certainly one that they all consider. Uh, and, and we all suffer from it. 
or <laughs> according to you, we all suffer or we're liars. <laughs> so I think we can expand on that. I think that's um, right. That's but right. you've you've had a lot of experience sailing a long way in a very short time in a steel catch. I think, Michelle. That's right. It? Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. And I'd just like to say uh, hi and welcome to uh, Michelle. And the funny thing is that my first boat was uh, also a steel catch, and we didn't. So we, we've got some common ground there. The good thing about steel boats is you can't, uh, they're pretty bomb-proof. That's exactly right. The bad thing generally is they, the bad thing is they need half a gale to get them going. That's exactly right. They're not uh, exactly speed racers. You're not going to win any races, but they're nice, sturdy battleships that you can count on in those heavy offshore conditions. But I would say that this particular boat uh, was not the greatest for seasickness. You know, it was designed by Dutch designers and it was built specifically for North Sea conditions. And so mm. it's it's a great battleship. It's great for heavy offshore conditions. But the problem is it's a very narrow boat and it sits very high up on the water. So there's a lot of motion. Yeah. And do what did it did your did the boat have a steel deck as well as steel Yeah, hull? absolutely. Steel deck, steel hull. Which means which equally means that <clears throat> whilst the deck is also equally strong. You also got a quite got quite a lot of weight high, which uh, right. again induces more motion. That's is, exactly uh, right. So you've had the perfect test run. <laughs> That's right. The good thing about this particular boat is it has a center cockpit, which I really like because it's it's um, about four feet deep all the way around on all four sides, and so I felt very safe always. You know, you would really have to try hard to fall out of that boat. Yeah, I, I think that's actually, you know, a, a, a very key issue. You, you'll have noticed that all Krakens are centre cockpit. Oh, that's the and, way to go. And, and again, coming back to um, your subject here this evening, you, with a centre cockpit, you are in the position of the boat with the least movement. That's right. That that's doesn't right. mean you won't get seasick, of course. But it does mean that uh, you've mitigated it to some extent. Yeah, I do think boat design makes a difference when we're talking about dealing with seasickness. There's no question. The other problem with this particular boat is that uh, you could not uh, manage the sails from inside the cockpit, except for the Genoa. That's the only sail that you can manipulate from the cockpit. So to do any reefing, to do any hoisting or lowering of sails or to change sails of any kind you had to get out on the deck and when you mm. don't feel well and you're suffering from seasickness that's not a great feature for a boat <laughs> i know a lot of the newer designs have you can operate all the sails from in the cockpit i, lo- I love the boats that have that feature. yeah i mean uh, all all krakens you can sail the boat including hoisting setting trimming um all of the sails yeah, from the cockpit. Mm-hmm. But uh, even then, <laughs> whilst uh, I agree that being out of the cockpit is not perfect when you're feeling seasick, That's right. uh, I don't think other than the fact that if you're on the cockpit, and I'm sure uh, you would agree, being outside in the fresh air with your eyes on the horizon is certainly going to uh, help the situation. I think you. every sailor on the planet would agree that that, is the number one tip, seasickness tip that you can that you can have. That, I mean, that's always a good idea to be out in the fresh air, look at the horizon. Those are typical tips that you're going to hear from any sailor. Um, but as we're talking about the book that I wrote, 
uh, How to Battle Seasickness, um, it has a hundred tips that will help you. And I like to say that, of course, <laughs> you already mentioned this earlier, that I do believe that there are two kinds of sailors, those who get seasick and those who lie about it. But we had a conversation earlier. I think you convinced me that maybe there's a chance that that maybe not every sailor gets seasick, but I do think it's something we all think about and it could happen to anyone. It's very interesting you should say that because it, I mentioned before when we were speaking before this that uh, I, I, I know a couple of guys that uh, claim uh, never to be seasick. And I happen to have just been out on five days of diving uh, with uh, two, both of those guys. And uh, in context of this discussion that we're going to have you know i sort of tried to get them to fess up as it were <laughs> about uh, hey look you know you must have felt queasy at some point or yeah. you know come on you know it must have been one particular time maybe you were hung over or in a particularly awkward sea and both of them said no no i'm lucky no i'm good <laughs> so, all right okay so maybe there are one or two out there maybe but i think i think michelle you know this subject will attract a huge amount of interest <laughs> because I think everybody would love to hear you come up with the magic solution that solves all of their problems. Well, I, uh, I, I, think... I wish I had that magic solution, but I have some, I have some great tips that will help. Certainly the, on the first, on the, on the first uh, tip that you mentioned, Michelle, i.e. Uh, get some fresh air. Everybody knows that. Well, if you look at that boat behind my head, I'll just move it. Yes, I can see. You it. can see that you Lovely have to go boat. on. You have to go on deck to raise the sails. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that air does help you. But if you've ever been seasick and had to go to the bow to uh, furl, you know, the Genoa, you know, uh, that was tangled, and you're on yeah. the bow of the boat where the motion is the worst. You. That is not where you want to be. No, <laughs> it is right. not where you want to be if you're feeling queasy or feeling sick, but you have to go. You have to go and take care of what needs to be done to sure. keep the boat afloat. So, it's, so in that situation, um, you've clearly been in that situation. I have clearly did, been in did, that situation. <laughs> how did you handle it? What, what was your remedy for that particular mal de mer? What I wanted to do was throw myself overboard, right? <laughs> you know, but yeah. no, of course, you just have to fight through it. And I think this is the point of this whole book is when you have, when you're prone to seasickness as I am on almost every passage, I have epic battles with seasickness, but I want to be out there. I love to sail and I want to be out there. So knowing that I'm going to probably have this happen to me. On every passage, at least in, in some degree, to some degree, sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's not as bad, but it does affect me. Uh, it's helpful just to know that there's some things you can do. So in that case, you you get the job done as quickly as possible. And I will say that if you do have a task on deck and you're feeling bad, and it does add to the queasiness, of course, to be on the bow, especially. But sometimes doing that task helps because it takes your mind off of how you feel and it distracts you and keeps you busy and makes you feel productive. Just like right. the old, the old tip that also every sailor knows, grab the wheel, you know, turn off the autopilot and take the wheel and take control of the boat. And when you do this, of course you take control of the motion to some degree. 
if not really, then at least psychologically, you're you're controlling that motion of the boat and you feel in control. So because that's, that, that's the point you make in the quite strongly in the book, isn't it? That uh, that uh, psychology is is one of the major strands of perhaps the cause of seasickness, suggesting that maybe, I mean, some of these things like holding the wheel or or holding a bit of rope, it's almost a placebo effect, isn't it? It, it is. And yeah. I think it's there is definitely a psychological element to it, um, especially because if you've ever been seasick, you don't want to be seasick again. You, no. you just don't. It is so miserable. It, it really is. It's, I mean, look, we've all... We've all had the stomach flu. We've all probably, most of us have had a hangover at least once in our lives. So we've all had food poisoning, maybe. This is nothing like that. I'll take any of those things over seasickness anytime. This is different. This is pure misery. Mm. And you will do anything. You will do anything to quell that feeling and to help yourself get through it. And I think the experts agree that there's really no cure for seasickness. There is no magic pill that you can take. So knowing that, the best thing you can do is quell it and make it better. Work your way through it so you can get so, to the other side of it. So they're, they're the when you mention experts, in your book, you do talk or you quote quite a lot of experts. Yes. So I guess yes. you've gone to them and spoken to them. I have talked to sailors and sea captains and fishing uh, captains. I've talked to... Uh, boat operators. I've talked to doctors and psychologists, right. and you know, I, when I'm you've experiencing, been, six, you've been seeking the holy grail, haven't you? I've been seeking the holy grail, and <laughs> I think the best I could find was tips. Yeah, you know, um, I suffer. I, I suffered dreadfully when I was a kid from seasickness, and actually, that went all the way through my adolescence and young life. I got into diving when I was 16 and I was so bad uh, for seasickness even on a flat calm day out on an inflatable dinghy going two or three miles offshore is all in the main it <laughs> sounds unbelievable but my mates knew I was so bad I left the shore fully kitted ready for diving and as soon as the anchor went in, I knew I was going to be really bad at that point. I wasn't great on the way out. So I'm <laughs> I'm going out with all my dive gear, tank regulators, the whole lot on. Ludicrous thing to do, really, but I needed to do that. As soon as the anchor went in, I put my hand on my mask and bang, I was over. And, once, and there's another weird thing. I don't know why this is, but as I said, from diving perspective, I can tell you it's certainly uh, correct. You sit on the boat and you're seasick. You jump in the sea and the sea is moving the same as the boat and now you're not seasick. I don't get that really. But my point is that I, I was that bad. And over the years, I think in a similar way to yourself, I was determined that I wasn't going to be beaten by it and I wanted to go sailing and I wanted to go diving. So I'd sort of grip my teeth and get plenty of tissues and cloths and stuff like that. And I'd go. But in later life, <clears throat> although I still had it, and the more I sailed, there's no question in my mind, the familiarity of being on the sea and allowing your body the opportunity to come to terms with it and get some form of balance. Uh, as the years went on and the longer I was at sea, 
then uh, the less I was seasick. But I was still on occasions, particularly on what I call a corkscrew sea, where you've got wave trains coming from two directions and the boat's kind of doing this corkscrew motion. Uh, particularly that used to make me feel bad. And particularly in the first two or three days back at sea, same as most people, I think. But then I copped something called Meniere's disease. And Meniere's disease uh, is a really debilitating condition. Uh, they know what causes it, but they know that the each side of your ear balance uh, is not working uh, on an equal basis. So the brain starts to get different messages from one side of your hearing balance or your ear balance, your inner ear balance, to the other. And basically it says, no, no, I can't work this out. I'm out of here. And the whole world spins at a right. terrific speed and it's pretty bad. The, the consultant that I found explained to me that the reason my eyesight and uh, my eyesight balance and my ear balance uh, was now improving quite rapidly in terms of seasick is because my brain was rejecting the information from my hearing balance and relying only on my eyes and he told me it's the disparity between what your eyes see and your ears feel and your eyes are saying look the horizons and the, the, it's all moving and the brain's saying but I can see stuff that's not moving and hey, you're you know, uh, and your ear balance is counteracting it all, and so yeah, um, this is exactly the research that I saw. This confirms uh, yeah, and and, yeah. and 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 I now don't have seasickness at all, and I can go and I don't you know, go and lay down in the bilge and fix stuff. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm not going to so suggest that you try and get Meniere's <laughs> disease to quell it. No, but, no, 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 no. I would not. So I, I can I can fully understand where you're coming from. Yes, yes. I think um, I, I've tried everything, really. I really wanted some of the pharmaceutical remedies to work for me, and I did try a lot of those. But when you are, most of those will make you drowsy. You know, any of the seasick medication, and I mentioned a lot of them in the book. I, and, and just as a caveat, I do want to say I don't recommend any chemical medicine to anyone. I really don't recommend it at all. You should talk to a doctor. And I really, because I don't that, know. Is that, is that what because your, they don't work? Well, I think it's because I don't know what other medication you're taking and right. what your health is and, and that sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm not a doctor. If there was a medication that worked for me, I would recommend it. But um, to me, I just think you should talk to a doctor. But I, I mean, I tried them all. I tried every, I tried things that were not um, approved by the FDA, but a sailor in Sweden gave me the, some pills, you know, and said they were magic pills. I tried those. They didn't work. I tried the patches behind the ear. I tried the wristbands. I tried everything. And the, the medication made me so sleepy and so, gave me such a bad headache. And when you're on a two-person crew and you have to take your shift, every two to four hours, depending on what the situation is, you can't be drowsy. It, it's just not safe no, and it's no. not okay. You just, you just can't be falling asleep and not have your wits about you. And so to me, the cure can't be worse than the condition, no, right? No. So that made me feel worse. So somewhere along the line, I just said, you know what? No matter how bad I feel, I'm not taking any more medication. No. I'm just not <laughs> going to take any more medicine. I'm going to try to work my way through it with some of these other tricks and uh, tips. And I started just trying to test things that might work. I talked to every sailor I met out there. I talked to 
other professionals and tried to get as much information I could. And I think you just try it and see what works for you. It, it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt to try can't some simple that, techniques. That, that you haven't yet found it. You haven't yet found no, no, what no. works. No, I mean, I think I've, I've You haven't gotten, conquered I, it. You haven't I conquered it. I haven't conquered it. I still get right. seasick. But right. I can handle it much better now. And part of it is because I just accept the fact that I'm probably going to get seasick. Another point is that I try to do things to help the seasickness events be not so horrible. And by that, I mean, I try to stay hydrated. I try to keep something on my tummy. I try to make sure that I don't eat anything that is going to upset my tummy further. So, for example, if spicy food upsets your tummy on land, it is definitely going to upset your tummy at sea. If fatty foods or fried foods or acidic foods, like when I was sailing, I really couldn't drink coffee. It was a little acidic for me. You know, I needed tea. I needed ginger tea instead of coffee, which I love coffee. And I'm a big time coffee drinker, but I couldn't drink it at sea because the acid was kind of bad for my tummy. And so you just start to learn, okay, would I rather, and and also alcohol, you know, don't drink alcohol because that can really dry you up and dehydrate you. And so would I rather have a glass of wine or would I rather be seasick? (laughs) And the answer is always, you know, or I would rather not be seasick. So the answer is always, I'd rather not be seasick. And if foregoing that glass of wine or that beer or whatever, or that cup of coffee or that fried food, if that's going to help me, then I'll do it. Yeah. So, so, so really what you're saying here uh, Michelle, you know, I, I, and I, I do agree. You're, you're really saying there's, there's no cure all. Take this pill and everything will go away. But there's a lot of small incremental differences you can make to your well-being, to your diet, to your attitude of mind that will uh, overcome the worst of seasick. Now, I think that's that. Is that am I right? I believe, there? That's where you've I believe this to be true. I, I do. I think you're I, exactly right. The, but there the are only, things you can do. Yeah. The, the only thing I just, I just want to say, and I, you said it earlier, you know, you have to grit your teeth and you have to go and do it. Yeah. And I know that's true, but I have had some pretty difficult experiences of trying to rely or accepting that people will try and battle through or thinking that they will try and battle through and still do their job. And I just think that that should be borne in mind. I once had a crew uh, on a a previous boat, and his responsibility for this particular trip, we had a whole set of daily checks. Check the raycord, check the oil in the compressors, check the oil in the dive, uh, sorry, in the uh, generator, in the main engine, uh, check the bilges, check the bilge pumps are working, and all of those things. And I had a big checklist. I believe in that. Um, and then anybody can look at it and go, oh, yeah, well, it's been done. No, it hasn't been done. There's maybe 24 things to do. Uh, and it's 15 to 20 minutes of, of, of work um, because all of these things should be an easy view. Check the sea chest, for example, make sure they're not full of weed and da, da, da. And, uh, and I as the skipper of the boat, uh, checked his log and yeah, okay, yeah, good, okay. And he was suffering bad. He was suffering very badly from uh, seasickness. And uh, I thought, well, give him his due. He's, he's, you know, he's gritted his teeth and he's going to done it. And then about uh, 500 miles out from uh, Ambon 
in Indonesia uh, in flat calm seas the boat stopped and then okay what's going on here uh, Wei An the guy was uh, still not feeling sick because although um, we were motoring there was a nasty swell so I now go and think right okay where am I going to start so I'm going to start the Raycors and I go down to the Raycor filters and they're completely full of water and what's actually happened is a deck filler has not been properly tightened down when we were bashing hard upwind water has gone through the tanks got into the tanks gone right the way through the fuel system uh, right the way through the injectors and i got complete nightmare now it is true that we parted company not long after that <laughs> but yeah. i waited till we get to got to port you'll be pleased to know <laughs> um but um <laughs> my mistake and his excuse by the way was he felt so seasick he just ticked him up quick yeah. and of course you know yeah, right. that's a that's then a, a double disaster waiting to happen it then took us because there was very light winds it then took us with a 400 miles going to take us you know three days it took us 10 days to actually get in and and then I got to have mechanics on board go the way all the way through the whole system, and it was a pretty big nightmare. And I've had that in other situations, and and I want to put something to you and see how you feel about it. I I I don't know if it's people's psychological standpoint that that enables them to grit their teeth and get on with it. In other words, they've got some moral. They've got some get up and go they've got some fight i i can't tell really in the people that's happened to me whether it's that whether those people that got on and did it as you did and as i have done and i'm sure dick has done and tristan too but it, or it's that they were really even more sick than i'd ever experienced and just couldn't do anything you know i i don't know what you think yeah could that be possible i i uh, of i course. i kind of felt I've, I've I've felt a circumstance after that that my it was my mis obviously it's always your mistake as a skipper that it was my mistake as a skipper relying on somebody that was inverted commas ill now why they were ill didn't really matter the fact is they weren't carrying out their duty and I I don't know if it's I'd I'd, I'd like to agree with you that I can grip my teeth and even when I'm feeling dreadful still carry on and and you obviously said you know you've done that but I don't, I don't know if there's another level of seasickness that debilitates people to such an extent they are just useless i think I, no i think there have been times that i have been useless uh but normally that's when maybe there's one other person on the boat and you just kind of succumb to it and you say okay there's somebody else out here that can help me but but and so i just pass out and give up and mm. I'm done. But if, if you're on a two person crew and you have to take a shift, especially if the other person on the crew is also seasick, that you have to do your part. You have to get through it. Um, but I have a, I have an interesting kind of comment to this because this brought up something that uh, I remember a sailor telling me. So I talked to a sailor who was in the German Navy and he was on a destroyer. And so there were hundreds, maybe thousands of sailors on that 
destroyer. I'm not exactly sure, but a big, huge, gigantic battleship, right? And they had to keep seasickness journals and turn them in, you know, ever so often. I'm not exactly sure if it was weekly or daily or when they, but they had to keep it. And of course, if they were seasick on deck and they were, they threw up, you know, they had to just keep going whatever task they were doing, but they had to keep a journal of how they felt. And then if they were going to battle, the admiral or the commander or someone would look at those seasick journals and decide whether that ship was fit for battle based on the really? seasickness journals. Because if you can't possibly do your duties, especially in a life and death situation because of seasickness, I mean, this is how much they respected seasickness mm. as a debilitating phenomenon or disease or whatever you want to call it. Mm. So it, it can debilitate you, absolutely. But the psychological tricks that you can that you can do to help you through when you have to when there's two of you and you're both sick somebody has to sail that ship well or you, you die both... or, or you die right i mean or you die exactly <laughs> and, and, <that's, laughs> and you've got to take that responsibility uh i fully when you go out to sea i think you have to yeah, do yeah we're that. not talking about we're not talking about bikini and martini sailing here we're talking about mm. heavy offshore Sales, you where you know the sea is a hostile environment for humans. Let's face it, and that boat is what keeps us alive. And if and somebody if somebody's not sailing it properly, yeah, you can die. So when when you go then, Michelle, and you know yes. you're always seasick, right? Are you not being irresponsible, especially as any two of you? It, you? That's a very good question. I think you could argue that you could. So yeah, you could argue that. Um, I don't really know how to answer that <laughs> because uh, it's a good I guess... point that I haven't really thought about. But yeah, you know, it is irresponsible. But I think in the beginning, when you're just working it out and you're out there because you want to be out there so badly, maybe it's selfish and maybe it's irresponsible, but you don't want anything to keep you from being out there. I mean, I'm also a tennis player mm -hmm. and I've played with a torn rotator cuff. I've played with a bum knee. I've played with a broken foot. You know, if you want to be out there, of course, that's not a life and death situation. But if you want to be out there enough, you can find a way to make it work. And the, yeah. the chap or, or the lady that you sail with, uh, they know that you're, it's a regular person you sail with, is it? Or, well, I mean, uh, uh, um, I sailed the world with one other person, but I sail right. with different people on different days, okay. you know, in but different on, on situations. That, uh, when you sail the world with that other person, right. he or she knew that you had this. Yes. Uh, um, it was a, it was a, it was a man. He was a really good, right. experienced sailing captain with, okay. with a, almost a lifetime of experience. He was a very good sailor, but he also suffered from seasickness badly, uh -huh. in some cases worse than me. And therefore, we both just kind of had to work together to figure it out. But for example, we were both seasick sailing through the Bay of Biscay, and you guys know that's a challenging body of water to cross under any conditions. And it was rough. We, but once you're there and you're in the middle, you know, you're out about 200 miles or something like that, you're committed. You, you can't turn around yeah, and go well, back. You I, can't just anchor. Listen, this is, you know, you're right on the money. And, and I think I exactly understand where you're coming from. But there were things we did. For example, we switched from four-hour four shifts to two-hour shifts. So you make adjustments. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a butt. So you make those got, adjustments to kind of help each other out. I've got a, yeah. I've got a butt here, Michelle, and I, my butt is that actually there's a difference in in people. There are fighters, and there are those that talk a good fight, and there are those that give up. And I have yes. witnessed those. I've had crew of of each of those sections, and Dick and I have talked about the psychology of of sailing oceans. And it is astonishing because people that start off on a trip as shy and retiring and quiet individuals um, turn into the people you can count on. And other big right. tough guys that walk the walk and talk the talk just crumble. And I think that really seasickness is one of those things that we can say sorts you know the phrase sorts the men out from the boys and that sure. uh, is, i but i want to put a big caveat on that because i don't think there's any real bravado in not suffering from seasickness there's bravado in suffering from it and just being bloody minded and saying well i'm still going to do what i've got to do as you have just described and as you have done um but there are other people with much less excuse than they're exactly. feeling seasick, step backwards instead of forwards when um, the proverbial hits the fan. And I think, you know, I think we can say Scott of the Antarctic was a different calibre of person than the average guy. You know, sure. certain, you know, Ellen MacArthur, a different, a different type of, psychology a strength of character you know for somebody to to record themselves suffering misery crying and saying she hated every minute of it and then the next thing you see she's up the mast at sea and sailing the boat repairing the boat as a different caliber of person and i think that what's coming here and it's i find it very very interesting is i think what's coming here is that people have got to know about themselves and their inner self and their their steel uh, and decide before they, you know, tri trip off across the Atlantic or whatever, you know, are, are they going to put themselves forward or are they going to put themselves back? And, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a different thing, really. But No, I agree with you. And, and I think there's a different... Um... A difference in okay if you if you're out there sailing and then you experience seasickness for the first time this this in itself sometimes separates the men from the boys as you say because some people just will never go back out there again mm. and we know this right it's logical we've, we've not known people <laughs> okay and then there's some people exactly and, and you wouldn't blame them no you understand and it's okay and there's no shame in it but the people who truly view sailing as a passion and they're not going to let anything stop them. They're just going to find a way. And I think this is why I wrote the book because I was so desperate to find some way to stay out there and to also be a good sailor. Mm. As you said, I mean, this is important to also be able to perform your duties. And I would say this too, that, that when the captain was extra sick, that's when I stepped up. And when I was extra sick, that's sometimes when he stepped up. So sometimes that, mm. 
is kind of a thing you kind of get used to each other that way and it's like okay it's your turn to be sick yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta be I sick mean, now it, and i'm gonna take care of this and it, it, it is true to say uh that uh, there is no shame whatsoever no, attached no to being seasick. of course not i mean I, I went on a deep sea trawler on a trip from esbjerg in denmark across the north sea and you know the north sea very well mm-hmm. and it was a stormy night it was rough and and not very pleasant but i was very surprised to find out that all those rafty tufty Danish sea dogs, <laughs> all of them were sick, uh, and for quite a while, and then they yep. got over it. And, uh, right. and I said, "Crikey!" They said, "No, this first three days we're always sick. We just accept it. It was their living; <laughs> they've got no choice." Yeah. But that was when I found out that um, because it was a press trip, uh, and this Dane was going to drop his nets inside our twelve-mile limit, we de- de- declared a twelve-mile limit, and we were in the e e e see as it was then uh, and this guy said well i'm going to go and break your rules by dropping my net so it's a great story all the press were there every one of them was sick with <laughs> along with the crew except yeah. for me i was the only one who wasn't sick and so i was they were down below eating this fried place which beautiful fish lovely and i was <laughs> scoffing all this fried fish <laughs> lovely um and i wasn't sick at all and then as we neared the everyone else had been sick in fact i don't know if you remember <laughs> there was a famous a phrase in the Falklands War from a, report, a BBC reporter who used to count the planes in and count them back. You remember he said, I counted them all out and I counted them all back on a carrier, i.e. they're all safe. That was his sort of, became his leap motif. Uh, and there's, <laughs> I think I know where the, you go with this. <laughs> well, exactly. The Daily Express guy, <laughs> he did a funny, he wrote a funny piece. He said, yeah, I had, I had several fish. I counted them all in and I counted them all out. But anyway, um, when when we got nearer to the British coast, they started to get the nets ready on deck. And when they started pulling them off the reels, the stink of rotting fish, that was it. I was then sick. Oh, yeah. So I always say I've been sick at sea, but I've never been seasick. Right, right. <laughs> and And you can't probably identify whether it was seasickness or sickness no, from the stench really. of the fish. So it yeah. could have been that. And, no, you know, no. I admire you and I'm jealous of you. <laughs> well, I am you quite fortunate. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I felt nauseous. I always sure. I quite often feel nauseous uh, yeah. and, I'm, and, and rough, but I'll get up on deck and I immediately put me on the helm and I'm fine. I can stay on the helm for all night. It, so I'd that rather what, be on the that's helm. what works for you. Yeah, and, definitely. And that's, you have to find what works for you. And I've tried a lot of different tricks and some of them are psychological and yeah. some of them are natural, just, you know, ginger, everybody talks about ginger, but the thing that works for me, I, I like ginger tea and ginger ale and just about a- anything that has ginger in it is helpful. I like ginger beer with rum in it. Well, there you go. That's what works for you. You're not supposed to to be having any alcohol, Dick. (laughs) Well, I mean, alcohol alcohol doesn't affect everyone in the same way. For me, it it dehydrates me a little bit. And if I'm not also, so when I'm drinking with friends or whatever, I have a glass of wine, then I need a whole glass of water before I can have another (laughs) glass of wine or I'm just, you know, dry and it's just You sound like a good date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not too, not too expensive. Just no. one, or, one or two drinks, and that's it. Yeah. Way back, way back when, um, I did my yacht master's uh, practical course, and uh, the guy that took the course, a guy called and very proper Anthony Williams. He was a British Navy navigator, and uh, he he taught 
the us navigation brilliantly, and then we are going to sail from Gosport on the east uh, on the south coast of the UK across to the Channel Islands. And I happen to draw the short straw to be the first skipper, and I, so I've got a six-hour skipper ship. And uh, I listen to the forecast, and it's four eight, uh, four six on the nose coming in at south south westerly or westerly as it always does in the channel. And uh, because you know there's six guys and we all want to go, so I've called the trip on, um, and off we go. And Anthony Williams has said nothing at all. And I've called the trip on and out we've gone. And my obligation was to give an, a position fix on the hour. And as we get out of uh, the lights of uh, St. Catherine Point, um, I'd start to feel ludicrously seasick. And uh, yeah, I still got to give my position. I don't want to fail. So I'm going to go, I'm down there. And I'm, I'm, now I'm really getting the game quick because I'm very fast now. I want to be below as, as short a period as time. Um, and so I'm doing my position fix in 10 or 15 minutes, racing to the companionway, leaning over the rails, you know, doing, do, talking to the, uh, you know, the gods and feeding the fish, feeding the fish getting back together for, <laughs> you know, get myself back together for another um, 45 minutes, looking at my watch. Oh, no, I can't do it again. Back down. And yeah. I think it was a deliberate ploy because he he uh, allowed me to continue on. And then uh, as I came down for perhaps my fifth session, uh, he came down with a glass of rum in one hand, smoking a pipe, leaned over <laughs> me, blew some smoke over me, wafted oh, the no. rum over me and said, so that's where you think we are, Dick, is it? That was good enough. I was, that was, I couldn't do, I up and I, I was sick again immediately. The smell of the rum and the, and I said, I'm yeah. turning back. I don't care if we fail, I'm turning back. And um, mm -hmm. Anthony Williams said, yes, it was if you didn't turn back that you were going to fail. And so, but he used right. that trigger that we, dicks just talked about with the, with the uh, smelly fish. He used right. the smell and the smoke and the, uh, to trigger, to really bash me into submission, obviously, and I went back. I, I think the unfortunate thing is that many people will be listening and will, their hopes will be dashed that you can't tell them to press a certain nerve on their wrist or take a pill and it'll all be over. Right. But what I think right. you can do, and this the message that I'm getting from this, is that actually... You can get through it. You can get over it. It doesn't need to stop you doing something you love. I think that's no. the key, isn't it, Dick? Do you agree? Do you agree, would, Michelle? That's exactly right. I agree 100%. Yeah. I, I do agree with Michelle. Absolutely. But I think it's great that Michelle has put together this book, which we should name, by the way. We'll put it in at the end, of course. But How to Battle Seasickness, 100 Tips to Help You Get Your Sea Legs. Uh, and that's the whole point. There are 100 tips in there. Uh, and you you probably try them all as Michelle has done, uh, <laughs> and, and but she's learnt from that that she knows yes. it's kept her going. She's researched it. She's still sailing, uh, and and knows and presumably it's the situation's improved somewhat. It has. Have, yes, oh, yes. absolutely, it has because now I know what to expect because you, at know, least you've taken the psychology out of it. 
Yeah, so t- and, and I yeah. use the psychology too. Right. I think this okay. is key as well. So there are some psychological tricks. Uh, for example, if you want me to share some, I would love to. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, when I start to feel the queasiness come on, I remember kind of what Dick was talking about earlier about you remember what is causing this. And it's a cross wire signal, you know, from your ear and your inner balance system to your brain. Right. Right. And so you try to trick that. You try to trick that cross wire by distracting it. And so I will do things like, for example, I will recite the Greek alphabet. So, and why this is, why is, why is this a trick? Well, if I recited the, just the American, you know, English alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, D, that takes no brain power. I can do that without even thinking, right? But if I recite the Greek alphabet, I have to really concentrate. Right. I have to think about it. Or maybe I'll count to 100 in Spanish or German or something. So if I count to 100 in English, that takes no brain power. But to really concentrate on something that's not natural to you, <laughs> Really so, does work. Sorry, I'm laughing. It distracts I, I, you. I'll tell you why I'm laughing because you just said, "Are oh, you going to recite the Greek alphabet and then you're going to speak count to a hundred in Spanish or maybe German?" And of course, you know, Dick and I are, are English, so English people don't have the ability to speak foreign languages. Generally, we just speak <laughs> we just speak English louder and expect everybody to understand us, don't we, Dick? So well, that's I'm fantastic kind of that, that you were able to do that as well. <laughs> and I'm from yeah. the South too, so my accent limits me from speaking any foreign language. No one can ever understand me when I speak another language because it's oh, always got a little bit of a Southern drawl <laughs> and there's not much you can do about Nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. The sweet home Alabama always comes out. <laughs> yeah, I, cannot, I cannot hide it. But um, but little things like that. And, and I would love to tell you a little story. So I have this fantastic lifelong friend. Her name is Evie and she's a fantastic sailor. She's been sailing since birth. She's from Germany, grew up there, uh, sailed on the Baltic Sea all her life. And she's kind of my sailing mentor. And I just think she's amazing. And she's gone on very long uh, sailing journeys, similar to the one I went on. She's done it several times in her life. And uh, she was actually in, in a seven meter wooden boat. And this is not uh, a small task when you think about this. And she, but she was also a sailing instructor and she's another one of those dick that claims she's never been seasick, you know, (laughs) that, um, that then she said, well, but there was one time when I came out on deck and everybody else was sick and that triggered me kind of like your trigger. But, but anyway, so she said when she was a sailing instructor and all the students would get seasick, that she would just tell them that if they held a potato in their left hand, that they would not be seasick. And so of course, desperate to try anything these kids would try this or these students, they might not have been kids. I don't, you know, they could have been adults, but uh, so they tried it. They tried holding the potato in their left hand and this mind over matter trick worked for them. And when I was battling my seasickness so bad, I called her and asked her for some tips and she told me the story. And uh, so I always kept a potato in the cockpit and you know, it's, it's crazy just having that potato there. (laughs) <laughs> knowing that I could grab it with my left hand if I wanted to, really made a difference. Isn't it? that it's silly, right? But it's well, psychological. I mean, it made, a made a difference knowing it was there or actually using Sometimes it. Sometimes just knowing it was there <laughs> really helped me. And you I remember one time because it'd get eaten. I can remember one time I was sitting in the cockpit and it was really bad motion, and uh, the captain looked at me and said, "You were white." 
And I said, I know, you know, I could feel the color leave my skin. And he just reached over and handed me that potato. <laughs> and uh, it was, it made me laugh. That's a great story. You know, yeah. and that really distracted me again. So little tricks like that will help. The worst thing you can do is think about being sick, like having that fear of being sick. Yes. It yes, is really psychologically damaging. Uh, well, that was part one. I mean, one would like to think there wouldn't be a part two on such a a, a subject, <laughs> but it is, it is dear to our hearts, if uh, not our stomachs, and we must uh, examine every facet of how to get over this terrible mal de mer. Uh, so we will have part two in episode 10, but Michelle's book, to give it the full title, is called How to Battle Seasickness, 100 Tips to Help You Get Your Sea Legs, and it's available um, on uh, in Kindle or uh, or paperback with Amazon. And Dick, uh, we're going to have a poll, I think. To yeah, find yeah, out we are. Readings. You know, as uh, as I said earlier, I think uh, you know, and you you've said it. I think it's the elephant. Seasickness is the elephant in a hell of a lot of rooms. You know, this uh, and there's and there's certainly dreams been ruined by seasickness. No question. I you know. Um, one of my other interests, as you know, is diving. And I did have a dive centre at one point, and we trained people for diving. And, you know, it was an unwritten uh, rule amongst the instructors, don't even mention seasickness, because it doesn't occur to me, most people, and they, they got themselves in the zone. They want to go out, they want to go and sail, or they want to go and dive, or they want to go out sea fishing, and yeah, hey, off we go, and, and off they go, and, uh, you know, the next thing, the whole day is ruined, and they'd rather blow their brains out and then do it again. And uh, so, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to have a poll on Facebook, and we really want people to get involved in this, because, come on, this is a big subject, and, you know, as we've said, whether there are a very small percentage of people sitting out there um, that, in fact, don't uh, suffer from and have never suffered at all from any element of seasickness. And, and let's qualify that, too. I don't think seasickness means that you're physically throwing up. I think seasickness uh, is experienced in the very first order by not feeling quite right and then a sweaty sheen on your brow, and <laughs> and you've got it, and and, and then you feel the, queasy, the, you know, yeah. yeah, that queasiness, that seasickness, yeah. not whether you throw up or whether you don't throw up. I think it's a bit no, no. Irrelevant. Well, in, in that case, I've certainly been seasick. Uh, in that sense, it might be better to call it sea illness, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I think uh, <laughs> whatever you call it, however <laughs> you dress it up, it's a you right bugger. <laughs> There's no yes. question, it's a right bugger. So. We want right. to know, we want to know on this Facebook poll, you know, come on guys and girls out there, get involved, tell us, talk to us about it, give us your great tips as well, by all means, um, and perhaps we can, uh, we'll, we'll configure a way of how you can, you can tell us, you know, your great tip, you know, you know um, the replacement of the potato, perhaps for a cauliflower or something else, you know, tell us your, your great tip, but tell us. If you genuinely believe you've never had any form of seasickness, 
I, th I think that's would be great information to find out. And I don't even know if anybody's ever really tried to define that. So Ocean Sailor breaks new boundaries again. Hey, that would be well, good. Well, 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 if there is somebody out there who can genuinely say hand on heart, hand on stomach, that they've never suffered sea illness, then we'll bring them on and let's hear all about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I, know, I know quite a few people that have said, you know, uh, no, I never, I never get sick. I've never been seasick. So you know, I, as subsequent to us doing this interview with Michelle, you know, I'm I'm going to go back to those people and and double check with them and say, well, so no, no, no queasiness, no slight, you know, not feeling quite right, nothing. Yeah. Just as good yeah. as you are on land, and and let's see what they say. Fair enough. So that was uh, yeah, that was great. I really. Uh, I must confess, I entered that um, the beginning of that, that podcast and that subject thinking that what Michelle was going to do is come up with some all-fire cure. And to her credit, I think she doesn't. What she does say is there's a lot of things you can do to mitigate it, to help try and overcome it. You can't, you can't cure it, but you can uh, certainly do things that improve your ability to operate uh, and perhaps get through it. And I think, you know, uh, as she has said, pretty well all people, and, and it's my experience too, pretty well all people are, are over seasickness in three days. And, and there's no question, the more you go to sea, uh, the less susceptible you are. So I suppose the message we can get from that deck is go sailing more often, obviously, especially on a cracking yacht. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, they're, they're, well, it's, <laughs> indeed. There is no silver bullet, but there is an enamel bucket, although even better, of course. <laughs> on, on, a, on a Kraken yacht, you get a better, you get a better receptacle yeah. than that, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've got a lot going on. Uh, just to mention, we've got a lot going on in Ocean Sailor magazine. It's quite a big issue, and it's particularly it interesting for us because we, we've, we, we've now got... Um, uh, 003 version 2 of the Kraken 50 uh, completed. She is in the water. She's out sailing. Um, next month, we're going to do uh, the commissioning and sea trial. But this this month, we're going to uh, show people a, a fair bit about the interior finish, which we are particularly proud of, given uh, the diligence and the quality of the Turkish craftsmen. So that's a big thing. Yeah, but absolutely. But we're also, of course, covering, got an article going on seasickness. Um, yes, indeed. From and it's, as, it's a fabulous story you did um, with um, Steve Callahan. Uh, oh, cracking, yeah. And uh, about his, <laughs> his, his rather unusual uh, transatlantic crossing in <laughs> a life raft uh, yeah. and, a, and, and a sinking one at that. I mean, that's Absolutely. an incredible story. And I'm... You know, Dick, I, I, you, you know, as a journalist, you must have picked up on it. He came up with one phrase, and I just, I've never heard the equal of it. I had yeah, a view of heaven from a seat in hell. It what is, a it statement. Is, <laughs> yeah, the, the, what I love about that statement, apart from the fact that, as you rightly say, it's original, I've never heard it ever before from anyone's lips, and m not much in this world is original. But the reason that I love it so much, and there, of course the reason it is original, is that it couldn't have come from anyone other than who somebody who'd been in that position. 
Yeah. You couldn't really make that up. It's so authentic. It sends a chill down your spine and and really shows the juxtaposition of the poor devil there. I mean, because he's witnessing the beauties of nature, if you like. Uh, and when it was lovely weather and he was able to catch a bird and eat it or something, it probably wasn't too bad. But nevertheless, you know, he's on a five foot six inch rubber ring, 1500 miles from Land. Yeah, uh, what, what, what he what it sounds like he was uh, doing, and, uh, and of course you've covered also an article um, in in the magazine about uh, about types of life rafts and what you should buy and what you shouldn't. It sounds like Steve uh, pretty well did that crossing on what amounts to a, almost a blow up paddling pole <laughs> with a canopy <laughs> on the top. You know, it doesn't sound like he did it in the best of of uh, uh, of life rafts, eh? Well, I think, of course, also, and he was on a very small boat, of course, the boat it, that sank was only 21 foot, so perhaps he didn't have room for anything much other than what he did have. And also it was a 1986, so a few years ago now, perhaps there, I'm sure there, you probably know, Dick, that there were decent life rafts available then, perhaps not as good as they are now, I don't know. But, no, I uh, think materials, it's really materials yeah, um, right. that, uh, you know, and, and yeah. obviously you've got, Instances like the Fastnet and yeah, of um, uh, and of course um, the Sydney to Hobart disasters. Yes, uh, and yeah. that taught in one, you know, focused area. I think that taught uh, an awful lot to people that were trying to to come up with a better solution for those that do have to uh, that do have to take to it. We 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 take um, life raft stowage and deployment very seriously at Kraken because I can tell you nobody does honestly nobody no. does people want to no. go and buy a life raft for example and they want to yeah well I've bought a life raft that's it well yes, that's yes. not it you know no and the guy that you spoke to um Matt uh he he said you know <laughs> you want to spend the most money you can on your life raft and hope you never use it Yes, and of course. Uh, you hope your money's wasted, if you like, I suppose. Yes, indeed. But, Absolutely. Um, we got some uh, a, a really good review uh, written for us by a lady that uh, wants to contribute uh, to Ocean Sailor, um, all about Malta. Um, and it's very much a sort of a, a secret jewel of the Mediterranean, Malta. I often wonder why it doesn't get mentioned more. People, you know, waffle on about Croatia and Venice and all the rest of it. But actually, Malta, Valletta Harbour, is as stunning as harbour as I've ever sailed into. Uh, and I think it might have something to do with the fact that Malta was once a, <laughs> a colonial possession of the UK, that it's become a bit unfashionable, a bit sort of PC not to mention it. I don't know, but it never does get a mention. So I'm well, glad we have. It's certainly getting a bit of a mention now because it's yeah. uh, it's managed to achieve the hallowed status uh, for, of the UK yeah. government of a, a green traffic light. Um, and yes. do you know what? So, I mean... And, and I, I'm expecting to sail there. Uh, I was hoping to go there this year, uh, in this this summer, but it might be next summer now because of all the constraints that are on us. But yeah, you know, I've never been to Malta. It's one of the. Have <laughs> you not? No, no, I've never been. So you got a big treat in store. Yeah. Well, I read the obviously I read the article as it was going in, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, this is a bit weird. How come you've never been here? So. I mean that's yeah. uh, that's good. There's loads of there's really loads of really good stuff. It's a big issue uh, of Ocean Sailor this month. Yeah. Well, the I think that's about it, Dick. The Technicolor <laughs> yawn of destiny has has impacted with the deck pizza of fate, and that's it. See you later. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I don't know what makes me the sickest. Those gags at the end. <laughs> or seasickness itself. Thanks, everybody. Past, it's been... Uh, past the sick bag, Alice, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah thanks, everyone. Uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>